Technology is a blessing, isn't it? Now, what I want everybody to do after services is to go to Waylon Mayfield and give him a big hug around the neck because he has spent an awful lot of hours up here this past week trying to make sure everything would work well for us today. Uh, he has been up high trying to get with the uh, uh, various things, get the projectors up, which they are up, and a few little things keep coming along. But the amount of time he spent on the phone, the amount of time he spent online, he knows everything about uh, these kinds of projectors that you can learn from Facebook. He spent a lot of time on it, and still... There's a few difficulties. Give him a hug. Let's be patient. We'll get all this worked out. Amen, everybody. Salvation. Continuing our this morning, the word salvation means to deliver or rescue someone from danger or loss. It's an incredibly dynamic word to be saved, to be delivered, to be rescued, as opposed to being enslaved, lost, and without hope. In our study this morning, we talked about salvation and the importance of letting the Bible speak. Many in this assembly are old enough to remember this old statement that you would hear frequently and even see on billboards. God said it, I believe it, and the last phrase was what? That settles it. Do you remember? Many of you do. A few of you haven't heard that. God says it, I believe it, that settles it. But we can change that ever so slightly. Still appreciating the gist of things. God says it. His word declares it. And that settles it. God says it. His word declares it. And that settles it. In of no subject could this possibly more, be more true than the subject of salvation. In the New Testament, it was noted this morning that if the question is asked, who saves or what saves, the New Testament attributes salvation to 27, 27 different but related things or people. We started looking at this, and as a matter of fact, we looked at about 12 this morning, which leaves us with a grand total of 15 tonight. We'll try to work through this, and I ask you to bear with me as we continue this study of who saves and what saves. This is vitally important for members of the church to know to reinforce their thinking about God and salvation. 
But it's not just vitally important for members of the church to know to reinforce our thinking. It's vitally important for us to know to make clear to people who may be confused and somewhat fuzzy in their thinking about salvation. What saves, who saves, according to the New Testament? Continuing our study, the gospel saves. Look in your Bible at Romans 1 and verse 16. Paul immediately on this, in this great book about being right with God mentions the place of the gospel if a person is to be right with God. And the gospel, of course, is a simple term meaning good news. Good news concerning Christ and salvation. Good news concerning Christ and salvation. Notice what he says. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. There's the salvation link. The power of God to salvations in the gospel. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. Turn also to 1 Corinthians 15. If a person is saved, it will be by responding to the gospel of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, hear the Holy Spirit as he speaks through the Apostle Paul. He speaks of how he made known to them the gospel, and how the gospel is something that they have received. It is something in which they stand. It is something that they will be saved by if they continue to hold it fast, if they continue to cling to it, the gospel saves. The good news concerning Jesus and what he has done. Now, if we go back to this morning's lesson, the good news and what Jesus has done in coming, in giving his blood, in giving his life, in going to the cross, in being raised from the dead... All of these are crucial aspects concerning the gospel, and several of them are enumerated by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. But notice secondly, notice the relationship. The word gospel occurs 76 times in the New Testament. 54 times to declare good news. It's an important word. A related expression, the word of God saves. The gospel saves. The word of God saves. A passage that will do nicely. James 1.21. James 1.21. It says with, that to receive with meekness... The engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Cody, we are on as solid a ground as we can possibly be to say that nobody can be saved without embracing the gospel. We're on really solid ground to say that nobody can be saved who doesn't believe and embrace the word of God. It's that simple. So keeping that in perspective, let's go to another expression. Preaching saves. Preaching saves. 
The fact is, many here heard the word of God, the gospel, from someone else. They were taught. The message was proclaimed. And that's what preaching is, a proclamation of God's message. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. God chose to save through preaching. The message preached. Those things have a lot in common. What do preachers preach? The Word of God. The Gospel. They preach about Father, Son, and Spirit and what they've done in making salvation possible. They preach about the cross, the blood of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. They preach the Word. Believing in Jesus saves. Turn to Acts chapter 16. Notice verse 30 and 31. Acts 16 verses 30 and 31. The Philippian jailer asked the question, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And he is told to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your house. We cannot isolate these from one another. I concluded the sermon this morning by saying this, it is a package deal. We must always keep that in mind. If belief alone saves, what does that say about grace? If belief alone saves, what does that say about God's mercy and love that we emphasized this morning? It's a package deal. To believe means to put one's trust in, to follow, to joyfully comply, to believe in Jesus. That is crucial to salvation. Lynn, take just a moment and turn to Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans 5, 1. And if you don't mind, stand and read it for everybody. justified. We can put down the synonym saved, having been saved by faith, by belief. Believing in Jesus saves, but not faith alone. As we go through the New Testament and let it speak, because when the New Testament speaks properly, God is speaking. When we handle his word properly, God is speaking. Turning from sin in repentance saves. In Luke 13, verses 3 through 5, Luke 13, 3 through 5, Jesus says, repent or perish. 
So if you repent, you will not perish. You'll live. You'll be saved. That's the whole idea in this. And forgive me for my simplicity here, but what I am trying to do is take a subject concerning which there seems to be far too much confusion and misunderstanding and flat-out false teaching and make it as clear and compelling as I can. If God says something is essential to be saved... No one can de-emphasize that. No one has the right to. Repentance has to do with a change of mind because of a change of heart that leads to a change in direction. A change of mind because of a change of heart that leads to a change in direction. Look at 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. 2 Corinthians 7 10. Tim Tannock, if you don't mind, would you read that for us, please, brother? Stand and read it for everybody. 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. This speaks about the priority and necessity of true repentance, of turning and having this change of heart in our lives. Thank you. Godly sorrow produces, it leads to, it can have the wonderful effect and should of repentance in one's life. One more passage about repentance. It's been called the hardest command because here again someone has to say, I was wrong, I am sorry, I have sinned. Look at Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verses 28 through 32. Carl, if you don't mind, stand and read it when you get there, brother. Matthew 21, 28 through 32. Believing in Jesus saves. Turning from sin and repentance saves. Relent or regret. You saw in the translation that Paul, uh, that Carl rather was reading from. When you look at this passage, the idea is a son said initially, I'm not going to go and do your will. But later he regretted what he said. He repented and he changed his direction. He did what he said he would not do. He complied with the will of his Father. Repentance is a change of direction because of a change of mind and a change of heart. When people really repent, the biggest part of the battle ought to be over for their soul, for their salvation. Confession of sin. 
The word confession comes from a Greek term that literally means to speak the same. To speak the same. Jesus said, if you confess me, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. Matthew 10, 32. Justin, if you don't mind, turn to Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, and read this passage for everybody. Romans 10, 9 and 10, as it relates to confession. With the mouth one confesses, resulting in, leading to salvation, must one acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, if you only had one passage to show it, that would be enough, wouldn't it? How many passages does God have to give in His Word before we believe and practice what He says? One's all that's necessary, isn't it? We're talking about the matter of being delivered and rescued and saved. Baptism saves. Let me share with you about five passages here. Let's open our Bibles to Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. In Acts 2.38, what the apostles, what Peter and the other apostles said to the people on the day of Pentecost is still important to understand. They are speaking to the best that Judaism had to offer, a number of whom had come to believe that Jesus had died and that he had resurrected, that he was indeed both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36, verse 37, they were pricked, they were touched in their hearts. What shall we do? And it is to these people, good moral people, the best Judaism had to offer, people who already believed in Jesus and his resurrection, at least many of them, that he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. First of all, this is not a suggestion. This is an imperative given by the apostles. Whatever is true of repentance, must one repent or turn in order to be right with God? Well, surely the answer is yes. Whatever is applicable to repentance is just as applicable to baptism. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness, there's your salvation word, of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We should not be ashamed of the fact that Acts 2.38 says what it says. What it says applies to the necessity of repentance for forgiveness, and it applies just as much to baptism, there better be a really powerful reason why one would dispute the terminology of Acts 2.38. But that's not the only passage. Turn to Acts 22 and verse 16. Acts 22.16. 
Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. What happens at baptism? One calls on the name of the Lord. What happens at baptism? One's sins are washed away. What happened in Paul's baptism is just as applicable today. Because there is one baptism, Ephesians 4, verses 4 through 6. Turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 6. We invested a good bit of time this morning talking about the fact, studying the fact, that one is saved by the blood of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the life of Jesus. And notice that Romans 6, verses 3 through 5, Romans 6, 3 through 5. Danny, are you there, man? Would you mind standing up and reading that for everybody? I appreciate it. I startled him. Sorry, Danny. Well, baptized into what? But we're saved by his death, aren't we? Keep going. That has to do with the gospel, doesn't it? Because the gospel talks about Jesus died and was buried, right? Keep going, my brother. Thank you. Whoa, wait just a second. His resurrection. We meet the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus when? Keep reading, Danny. Baptism is the dividing line between being lost and saved. Now, more is involved in salvation than just getting dunked in water. But baptism, immersion in water, is indicated by the Scriptures to be the time when we contact the blessings of Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. How can anybody be saved apart from that? Thank you, Danny. Appreciate it. Baptism saves. That's three passages down. Let's look at two more. Go, if you will, to Galatians 3.27. As many of you as were baptized into Christ did put on Christ. Did put on Christ. Without putting Christ on, can one be saved? And that salvation is in Christ. Finally, 1 Peter 3.21. 1 Peter 3.21. This passage links baptism with salvation specifically, and there's no getting around it. Now, I understand when you look at 1 Peter 3.21 that there are religious people, that there are people within Christendom 
who do not believe baptism saves. But in light of what the, the Word of God says, in light of what God has said, who will you believe? Who will you believe? Baptism does now save you. Each of these passages could be studied much more in their context, but I think I'm being fair with the overall context. Obedience saves. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. Because Jesus has become the author of eternal salvation to those that obey Him. Obedience. It's a package deal. We must never isolate any of these to the neglect and exclusion of others. We talk about denominational friends that do this with God's grace or with faith. Let's make sure that we are fair in dealing with what the Bible says saves and who the Bible says saves. In Matthew 7, 21, the Lord says, Not every man that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who's in heaven. You know, that's the right confession. Jesus is Lord. That's about as orthodox and sound and solid as you can get. But Jesus says, not everyone that says it will be saved. He that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The Bible speaks of calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. Romans 10.13, Acts 2.21, for example. And we've already looked at Acts, and we've even touched a little bit on the passage in Romans 10 as it deals with faith and it deals with confession. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord is something of theological shorthand. Theological shorthand. We talked about this phrase in Acts twenty two sixteen, calling on the name of the Lord. When we look at Acts 2, when we look at Romans 10, and when we look at Acts 22, calling on the name of the Lord involves faith, it involves confession, and it involves baptism. It's not just saying, Lord, Lord. It involves responding. Love of the truth saves. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Enduring and being faithful are said to save. He that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. Matthew 10, 22. The word of God says, be faithful, be trustworthy and loyal and dependable. The kind of person God can depend on and you'll receive the crown of life, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Faithfulness, endurance, they're said to save. Works are said to save. And you know, some people get really confused here, and I can understand maybe why, at least initially. Because Paul said, salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. 
Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but by mercy He saved us. Titus 3 verse 5. Yet James tells us that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. James 2.24 How do we reconcile these passages? In the first place, works are not the foundation. Works are not the ground or the basis for anybody's salvation. By that I mean Grace is, and the initiative of God in providing Jesus. That's the ground, that's the basis for salvation being possible. And so when Paul says, not of works, or not by works of righteousness that we've done, Thomas, what he's trying to get across to people is that there is no way that you can merit or deserve or earn your standing with God so that He finally stamps save on you when you've done enough. I hear some Christians say, I just haven't done enough. Well, pray tell, how will you ever do enough? You can't, can you? Miguel, if you live a thousand lifetimes, you can never do enough to merit or earn your salvation. So understand what Paul is talking about here. He's dealing with it from the angle of earning, meriting, and this idea that pride can often come in. And especially with the Jewish background that he had. Now think about James when he talks about works justify and we are saved, justified by works and not by faith alone. His emphasis is quite different because the works that he is speaking about are works that are the proper expression of faith. Works must properly express themselves if one has faith. If you have true faith, works properly express themselves. In one's relationship. And really Paul saw it this way too. There's no discrepancy between what Paul's saying and what James is saying. Paul would say, one must have a faith that works through love. Galatians 5 and verse 6. James would say, Amen. They agree. So when we talk about works saving, we must indicate that there's a type of work that's absolutely saving in the sense that it's an expression of faith in God and what He has done through Jesus. And there's a type of works that a person might talk about to look good and to act as if they earn or merit or deserve something. Just a few left. We're going to make it. 
What does the New Testament say saves? Fear, reverential respect of God saves. Fear, reverential respect of God saves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 14, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, and we persuade men to be reconciled to God, to be saved. Reverential fear and respect for God. He's awesome. Now just... Let's everybody stop for just a second and, and, and think about it. The God who created the universe and everything in it wants to have a relationship with you and with me. That's awesome to even think about because of who He is, how great and powerful He is. And we talked about Psalm 8, last Lord's Day. Here we are, really in some ways, specks in the universe, but not so to God. Value. There should be a sense of fear and respect and reverence for him. Two more. Following or continuing in the doctrine, in the teaching, in the gospel, in the truth. Words like doctrine are interchangeable with terms like truth and the gospel and the word of God. Following or continuing in these things. Two passages. 1 Timothy 4 Verse 16. First Timothy 4.16. Listen to it. Roger, are you there, man? Roger Bauer. If you don't mind, stand up and read it for everybody, please. Thank you so much. Mark it. Continue in the doctrine. Proclaim the doctrine. Stay in it. Why? For by so doing, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. One more passage along this one for abiding in the doctrine, continuing in it. 2 John 9 through 11. 2 John 9 through 11. Thomas, if you're there, don't mind, brother, read it. Thomas Marshall. To have not God and to share in what is evil is to be in a danger zone and quite possibly lost. 
Therefore, the necessity of wanting to follow and continue in God's Word, in the Gospel, in the doctrine. Lastly, hope saves. Romans 8, verse 24. Romans 8, 24. Brother Lynn, if you don't mind reading that one, we'll close with it. I'll make a couple of concluding observations and our time will be gone. Romans 8, 24. Hope saves. Thank you. Most of you have heard that hope is linked to anticipation and to expectation. Anticipation, there's a sense of excitement. And there is confidence and expectation that what we are anticipating will occur because God has promised it. Hope then really is an anchor of the soul. It is a package deal. We cannot omit, neglect, or twist what the Word of God says concerning salvation and expect to have God's favor. We cannot. Next, if the Word of God says these things are essential to, to salvation, no matter what anybody says, Brother Terry, no matter what anybody says, God's Word says who and what save. How we need to respect that. They cannot change what God has said and be right. But stop and think about this. Imagine what might happen in Midland and the surrounding area if we really taught this to friends and neighbors and co-workers. I believe that God's word cannot return to him void it would make a difference, would it not? We believe this. And because it's a package deal and an exclusive offer, let's share it with joy and let people make their decision. Turn to John five thirty-nine and 40. We know people who are lost, and we also know the fact that God wants to save. He wants to save. He's done so much to make salvation possible. John 5, 39 and 40. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you will have your salvation, and they bear witness of me. Notice verse 40. Jesus says, you will not come to me that you might have life. I don't know anything more tragic 
than a person thinking that they can search the Scriptures and be right with God, and there is the truth before one's nose, and they will not see it. You will not come. That's another reason why this message has got to be taught. If God put it there, His Word declares it, He says it. That settles it. No need to extend the invitation. It's already been extended. The whole lesson has been God's invitation. Let us stand and sing.